0: We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the listeners' choice winner. If you're not sure how the listeners' choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers, and trainers, and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Today, I'd like to introduce you to Lee Beerman. Now, Lee's a Level 3 dressage coach. She's also a Grand Prix rider, Grand Prix trainer, and Grand Prix coach. So when she was young, she set this goal for herself, and we're going to talk to her about her journey through that. Along the way, Lee's also been a teacher. She's been a university lecturer within equine studies. She's been on the state and national team, and has just come back from a trip to Argon. So, how are you, Lee? I'm great, thanks, Glennis. Great, Lee. Can we start off just telling me a little bit? Now, I know that you set yourself a goal to be a Grand Prix rider, Grand Prix trainer, Grand Prix coach. When did you set that goal? Probably when
1: I first started dressage. I mm-hmm. did pony club for a long time with the Pony Club and banged around doing bending races and <laughs> rode for the Queen doing a bending race actually, which was very exciting. Mm-hmm. And I did some camp drafting and endurance riding and eventing and then I discovered dressage and from then on it was an addiction. Okay. And I think it was once I discovered it that I decided I wanted to do the top go to the top three levels.
0: Okay, that's good. Now what about your favourite quote? Have you got a quote you can share with us? My life quote, I think is always choose happy. We all come
1: to a a fork in the road at some stage where we can choose to be happy or not to be happy. And I think we're responsible for our own happiness. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. when we're given, given that
0: choice, I think we should aim to choose happy. Okay. And is there one particular time that you've decided to choose happy rather than not choosing happy or having another choice? Many times. I actually Mm -hmm. exercise it probably just about every day when I can. (laughs) And
1: and when I'm feeling overpowered, I try and think, well, what will make me happy? What part of this choice will make me happy? And Uh I try and follow that road.
0: Okay. That's good. All right. Now you've chosen a career with horses. Is that did that come at the same time where you said, right, I'm going to be a Grand Prix rider, coach and trainer? I think I
1: chose a career as a teacher very early on. My mother used to tell me stories about when I was three, I always wanted to play school mm-hmm. and I always had to be the teacher even though everybody else was <laughs> six and seven years old. <laughs> so I became a teacher first and while I was studying, my riding sort of had to take second place because it like a four-year university course to get to where I wanted to go. But I had horses from when I was about 15. I mm-hmm. bought my first horse. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I got into my teaching career, I started to incorporate the two mm-hmm. and actually introduced riding into the sports curriculum at Tawong High School, one of the very first schools to have riding as part of that curriculum. That's
0: great. Yeah, very innovative. Okay. Now, if someone's going to get into a career, if someone's going to say, right, I'm going to be, you to know, have the same goal. be a Grand Prix rider, trainer and coach, what's, or even even if they don't set the goals quite as high, what sort of core skills do you think that they need to be able to do that?
1: I think you need a major work ethic Mm -hmm. because it's all work and people who aren't addicted to horses don't understand why you're willing to work so hard. Yep. So I think you need a work ethic. You need an open mind. Mm -hmm. so that you can take on advice from people who know more than you. And you need to stay humble. You need to accept that there are people who know more than you. And for some people, that's a major stumbling block, unfortunately.
0: Mm -hmm. I think those are really good core skills to have, yeah. Okay, now say someone already has been working in... Um, the horse industry for a while, and they say, right, I'm going to set a goal or I'm going to do something to excel in my career. What do you think are the keys to them excelling? You know, they've already got a a work ethic. They've already got an open mind. They're already humble. But what makes them better than everyone else around them?
1: I think it's the absolute dedication. And I think to stay enthusiastic, to always think, you can do something better. There's always somewhere to go. You haven't actually reached the end of the path. I know in my coaching career I've coached some people who are extremely talented riders but have never gone to the full potential of their talent mm-hmm. because it, their drive just wasn't there. I okay. think you need the drive. You need people around you who recognise that drive and you need to make the sacrifices, sometimes social life or a new car or whatever it means, moving away from your family Mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. you can progress.
0: Okay, okay. Now tell me about, and I know this, you're going to say, oh, there's so many, some people who've influenced you and helped you learn about more about horses and, and not just who's influenced you but how they've influenced you.
1: There has been a lot because I think it's pretty easy for me to pick out the main influences. One was Kev Wallen who ran a riding school down at Wyndham, and that was the first time. I had unlimited access to horses. I used to go down in the bus, walk two kilometres <laughs> and go and work at his riding school mm-hmm. before I even owned a horse. Yep. After that, I think Gul Wadia, who was my first dressage coach, mm-hmm. and she instilled in me the love and respect for dressage training and that stayed with me and still to this day I use some of her quotes. Uh, my favourite one is, nonchalant but be vigilant. So when you're riding, you have to look nonchalant but be vigilant so that you're able to do it to the best of your ability. Mm -hmm. And more recently, Andrew McLean. Once I started to look into the work he had done, suddenly a whole lot of the things that I was doing made sense Mm -hmm. or I changed it. So I incorporated the science behind what I was doing. And I think the other influence has been every student I teach. I think if you have an open mind, you can learn something from everyone. And I'm forever picking
0: up things from the feedback I get from my
1: students. Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. Okay, and Andrew McLean is an earlier guest on our podcast, so if people want to find out a little bit more about him, they can go back and look. I think it's episode three. Now, talking about training tips for people, but what do you think is the most common problem for a dressage rider? Um, or, it may not be the most common, but one that you find that you, you're having to fix all the time and, you know, you might have a unique way of teaching people to improve this, you know, something that you're looking to improve.
1: I think the most common request when people come to me, mm. and I think to most coaches, is they're having problems with the contact. Okay. Everybody wants to know how to make the horse more round and how to get the horse on the bit. But if you look at Andrew's training scale, contact comes in as fourth. Mm-hmm. If you look at even the German training scale that we base all our training and training of judges and coaches, it goes rhythm, relaxation, then contact. Mm-hmm. And my own system, I go line, gate, and then frame or contact. Mm-hmm. So to try and convince people that you don't start trying to put the horse's head down, mm-hmm. you start first with trying to feel how the horse moves, adapt that movement to what you need, and most of all being able to put the horse on a set line and i think that was one of the things i brought back from arkin when we did our judge training over there was yes the quality of the paces was very important but equally important was precision Mm -hmm. and that was really something that our training judges sort of drove into us Mm -hmm. you must Mm -hmm. be precise because if if you can put a horse on a line it shows two things it shows that you know where the line is, Mm -hmm. and that's important if you're going to go and ride a dressage test, and that you also have enough control that you can steer a horse onto an exact line. Mm -hmm. And what what I've generally found is if you work on the line and then you get people to think about, and people have to make that decision before the horse takes its first step, exactly what line do I want this horse on? Mm -hmm. And you're making that decision, over and over and over in a training session. Yep. And then, you, then the next thing you decide is what gait. So if it's going to be trot, which trot, working trot, and then is this my best working trot? Mm-hmm. And I found that nine times out of ten, when people have the correct line and the gait that they wanted to have, the
0: contact looks after itself. Yes. Yep. Yep. All right. Look, you've had many horses, and and how many horses have you taken to Grand Prix? I've taken seven through to FEI and four to Grand Prix. Okay, yep. Mm-hmm. Of all of those, and it may not even be one of those, which is the horse that's influenced you the most? Cadenza, I think. Lovely grey mare. I just, as
1: they say in the, in the ad, I wish I knew then what I knew now. <laughs> I think we could have done maybe even better, but she was just a magical horse. And I had her from breaking in and then sold her and Emma Flegman, took her on to a position on the national squad. Yeah, Mm. she was just an amazing horse. But you learn something from them
0: all. Yep. Um, Every horse can teach you. Yep, yep. All right, and we've talked about people who have influenced you. What about a book for our listeners? Have you got a book that you'd like to recommend? Uh,
1: It's probably going to sound a bit strange. Of course, Andrew has wonderful books and and now you have access to videos and DVDs Mm -hmm. and whatever, which is sort of a more popular choice. But I think the book that influenced me most was Tom Roberts. And I think he was around a long time before Andrew, but most of the stuff that Tom Roberts produced and espoused is the absolute basis for what Andrew now also teaches. And his first book was Horse Control and the Young Horse. Mm -hmm. And I think if everybody could get a a hold of that, writing would go a long way. Could I just tell you, I think, one of the quotes from that book? Yes, please. And I think to me this embodies everything you ever need to learn mm. about mm. writing and training. He asked this question right in the first page. If there's a drawing pin, a thumbtack sitting on a chair with a sharp bit pointing up and you sit down on it, why mm. do you jump up? Yep. And just about everybody says, because it hurts. Mm. And his response to that is, no, because it stops hurting if yes. you jump up.
0: Yes. And that's
1: everything about pressure pressure release, operant conditioning, mm-hmm. timing, mm-hmm. everything you need to know about training mm-hmm. and riding mm-hmm. is in that simple little analogy. Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: All right. Lee, what does the future hold for you now? Have you got some horses on the way, some riders? What are you doing now? Well, I've had this
1: stupid cancer battle and the consequent treatment battle which is why I'm coughing at the moment mm-hmm. I'm unable to compete at the moment and I don't know if that's going to change I've just got lung issues so I can't haven't got enough air to warm up and then write a test mm-hmm. I'm lucky to have a lot of students around me who are out competing and enjoying their training some of them are on my horses Lisa Jones is riding Vulcan Som. Mm -hmm. And um, Penilla Anderson is riding J.D. Pardon. Mm -hmm. And another student has bought a horse I bred. Alex Murray has bought Harley Germaine. Yep. yep. And they'll be coming out, stepping out next year. Okay. And then I've got other students on their own horses, Carissa Airy, Kerry MacDonald, who I'm really happy with how they're going and really pleased to see them developing not only as riders but also as trainers Mm -hmm. and as trainers with a clear understanding of pitching their training to how a horse learns Mm, rather than mm, doing anything mm. by force. So I'm really happy and enjoying that. I'm also judging, which keeps me out of mischief.
0: (laughs) That's good. That's good. All right, look, that sounds pretty exciting. Now, if people need to contact you, how can they contact you? Probably the best way is email. Yep. Or phone or text. I'm the queen of texting. (laughs) We can put those details on the show notes page on horsechats.com. Yeah. So people need to contact you. Now, just before we say goodbye, can you sum up into a lesson today so that people have got something to go away and think about?
1: I think every time you get on your horse, think about that you're stepping into the office and you're sitting at the desk and so is the horse. Okay. You're not stepping into the office and fooling around at the water cooler. Yep. So I think you have to put yourself into the frame of mind, okay, this time I'm going to spend training. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And then thinking line, gate, frame. Make all those decisions for
0: every single step you take. Yep. That's a great lesson for people to go on with. Thanks, Lee, and I'll talk to you another time. Okay. Thanks very much for the opportunity, Glenis. Thank you. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe.